minus three. With Dave Damashek. Oh, what a night it was on the banks of the Three Rivers. Hi and hello and happy New Year, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. Hope all's well on your end. Hope the holidays treated you well. The holidays continue, though, for sports fans. We have so much to get to. We still have a Bama-Georgia redo coming up here in just a matter of days. Somehow the dog's giving three in that one, even though they got hammered in the first go-round against the Tide and in advance of what will be round three for the Chiefs and Chargers, it's looking like, if things break right for the Chargers against the Raiders in the last game of the regular season in pro football. Also round three, uh, the Bills and Patriots looks like that one's coming up. Meantime, like I say, we've got one more week of regular season action coming your way in our league to break that down for you specifically the tale of two football cities uh the cleveland browns the pittsburgh steelers and their respective fan bases we'll talk about it with mark sessler one of our favorite guys from around the nfl that's coming up also we can now start paying attention to the nhl and nba spaghetti's rangers are not going away in fact They might be heating up, ready to make a little bit of a run, much like the Cincinnati Bengals arriving a little earlier than some people may have thought, but can't argue with the talent. Bet all of it along with us at FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. And as far as that goes, I hope you were betting along with us all through this football season. Kevin Hench, who you'll hear later in the week, of course, on the second minus three of the week, six for six, Eddie Spaghetti on his team season win totals over unders six for six on those. I think the saints need to win in week 18 for him to complete the sweep. Either way, remarkable stuff from him. I told you to bet the Bengals on the money line against the chiefs. That was right. I told you to bet Cincy to win the AFC North when you could have gotten them at plus two seventy, And I told you the Titans would be the number one seed in the AFC back in August when that was at plus 1700 bottom line. If you bet with us, Congratulations on all that money. Right, Eddie Spaghetti? It's remarkable what this podcast, if you followed us, not only Hench being right about everything, but also with our football picks for the extra points, that the the graphic that we put up every week before the uh, NFL Sundays uh, or Saturdays, I guess now too. Uh, and Harry's in first by a large margin. You're closing in on that. And right behind I'm you. I'm too off now. I'm too off after the Steelers beat the Browns on Monday Night Football. Yeah, you're two off, and uh, right behind you is me. So uh, two out of the, the the top three are from the minus three podcast. It's pretty good. And then Hench with his uh, his future bets and his uh, his totals, the unders he hit on a, a, a everything. Everything he hit was uh, was correct. So I mean, yeah, if you listen to our show and followed us and and, and bet on uh, fanofthat.com slash minus three, you're doing pretty good. Spaghetti. Oh, by yeah, extrapoints.com. Go into the arcade. Uh, join the what should be a pretty exciting um, stretch run here um, at the NFL Pick'em. Two back of Harry. How far back of me are you? Do you know? I think I was the last graphic that I saw. I was only two behind you. Uh, I'll pull it up right now. It looks like you had a hundred going into this weekend. You had 117 right. I had 115 right, and Harry had 122 right. So we we're the top three. I think I got 10 right this past week, um, like I say, including that uh, that Monday night win, which was pretty satisfying. Um, came up a little short of the goal of getting to double-digit wins, but remarkable stuff. I don't care what the cynics say. It is, uh, it's amazing in a league built around parity in the 21st century for one team to not have had a losing record in 18 years. The goal is not to do that. It's to win Lombardi's, of course, but in the meantime, uh, pretty uh, – a pretty good feat 
um, with a Hall of Fame quarterback or otherwise. Kudos to you, Mike Tomlin. There was no offensive line. The defensive line was decimated by injury right out of the gate and uh, still somehow with a shot at the playoffs, at least uh, strained as it is with the with the Jaguars needing to beat the Colts. But for what it's worth, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. So maybe. In the meantime, Eddie Spaghetti, before we get to, to Sessler, a lot of people reach out to me and they say, do more NFLs. You know, the animated on the whiteboard, talking about how one play in sports history could swing things wildly um, in either direction. We've done it about the tuck rule way back when and how that might have decimated the Patriots dynasty. And we've shaken up the 2004 QB class draft and sent Eli to San Diego and Big Ben to the Giants and uh, Phil Rivers to Pittsburgh to see how that plays out, so on and so forth. And the butterfly effect, if you will, as it affects um, the history of pigskin. Today, I have one for you that's specific to two of the more prominent QBs of the 21st century, Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. I thought it would be timely to do this on both fronts there. Let's talk about what would have happened had Ben Roethlisberger completed the Steelers rally against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Super Bowl 45. We now know Rodgers and company survived thanks in large part to the Richard Mendenhall fumble that opened the fourth quarter. But what if? Down six points with two minutes to go, Big Ben had pulled off a come-from-behind win as he had two years prior against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Well, first of all, as it relates to Big Ben, three Super Bowl appearances in six seasons ensures a gold jacket, but three Super Bowl wins would have provided another level of immortality. He'd be moving on up to the top, to a deluxe department way up high. Forget the is he better than Drew Brees jive. His new neighbors would be Pittsburgh natives, Montana and Marino and shame the devil. He would have been ahead of his boyhood hero, that other number seven from Denver. And even if the wins and losses were the exact same after that Super Bowl, we'd collectively swoon over the video game numbers as augmentation of his resume of his generational greatness. But of course, if we take that Lombardi away from Green Bay and give it to Ben, we leave Rodgers with a zero. And if the decade plus after that Super Bowl goes the same for the Packers, he's the 21st century's Marino, which given the scrutiny, wouldn't make the conversation about never having won the big one as bad as it was for Marino. It would have been worse. Worse for Rodgers as a victim of his own success, even compared to Marino's success. Remember, 13 got close in his second year, and his third year, but then the Dolphins fell into more or less mediocrity or high-end mediocrity. Rodgers, on the other hand, has been close over and over and over again since he won that Super Bowl. Imagine then they lose Super Bowl 45, then they go 15-1, and but lose to the Giants in Lambeau. Then say they lose that all-time heartbreaker in Seattle in the 2014 NFC title game. And then they win 13 games in 2019, but lose the title game to the Niners. Then get home field last year and lose another title game in Lambeau to an old man. Now mix in the past offseason with the trade demands and some of the weird stuff from the actual regular season. You don't have to do your own research to see how monumental the stakes would be going into these playoffs. But, of course, had the Browns taken Big Ben in Ott 4, to go back to that, the Steelers wouldn't have gone 15-1, and and that means they would have been more pedestrian in record, the Steelers. And so 
they would have been running, not walking to the podium in the odd five draft to turn in a card with the name Aaron Rodgers on it. The only problem for Rodgers is whether he winds up playing in Pittsburgh in 2022 or if he had uh, taken the reins over in uh, 2004, he couldn't have worn the number 12 because that one's already spoken for in black and gold terms. How say you, Spaghetti? Did I get that right? I, or did you tune in? Uh, no, I mean, I, I just – I have Big Ben takes that will probably just end up pissing you off, so I'm just going to – I could withhold – I just think this whole, like, push for a parade and, and, like, holding him up, like, yeah, he's a good quarterback. He just never – nationally speaking, like, he's never – and it's, I get it. Like, every – big name player probably has some stuff off the field. You're not really, it's not really great, but he just never like, he didn't capture the love of the nation. So I feel like people just don't care that he's going away. And I think his deterioration has been so bad. And what even further that is how many Steelers fans are kind of tired of him. Like, you know, you want to compare it to say like Eli seeing draft class when Eli was benched for Geno Smith, Giants fans were going to burn down MetLife. Like Giants fans loved Eli. Whereas like the big band stuff, they're like, yeah, get rid of him, move on from, I think their animosity towards him kind of like field the nation as a whole or football fans as a whole to be like, do we still really care about big Ben? Then you add in the whole, the, the, you know, the allegations on the field and him's kind of his malaise with the media and, and he blocks everyone and people don't seem to love him. He just never was a guy that was forced in our faces where you have someone like Rogers, you know, pre COVID stuff with him. People loved him. Drew Brees, another good example of that. Peyton Manning, obviously Tom Brady. So it's like, he never really gotten that, that force in that class because of it. So I feel like I agree with you. He's a great quarterback. The, obviously the probably the best in Steelers history, uh, one of the best ever in terms of stats and, and winning Super Bowls. But I just feel like people as a whole are just like, I don't care that he's retiring. Like he doesn't really deserve this like rah, rah, see you later, Ben thing. It's just, it's very strange. It, I, as you know, as I have said ad nauseum, what's very strange to me about it is, and I know that uh, Roethlisberger feels that it is weird, the standard that he's held to and um, the grudge that has lasted when so many guys, I'm not defending him as a human being, but he has, you know, outwardly, at least he's redeemed himself over the last decade as a human being as much as one can. And in the meantime, everybody else has given, you know, look at Antonio Brown, second shots, third shots, fourth shots. And the takeaway now is around the jokes is like, Boy, that guy, you know, that guy needs our help right now. It's it, it is strange, and I think ultimately it boils down to what Roethlisberger said a long time ago. Maybe he's just one of those guys that'll be better appreciated in ten years, twenty years uh, than he is in the moment. Um, but in the meantime, as I say, his deeds made, and you can make fun of this if you're a non-sports fan, but I assume if you're listening right now, you're probably a sports fan. Everybody gets it as it applies to them and their families and their friends. What these guys do is they're bit players. As I've said uh, again, ad nauseum, we are all the stars of our own shows. Ben Roethlisberger is not the star of my, of the, the Dave Damashek movie that is portrayed through my eyeballs and has been for several decades now. He is a he is a character in my show. He is a, and therefore has made my show more fun, more entertaining along the way. Has provided a lot of uh, great scenes in the movie that exists in my head. And I think that on one hand, it's like that's a Steeler fan thing, and what does the rest of the nation care? But I also think you can kind of blur your eyes and see how it applies to you. 
and see the special moments of Derek Jeter and what he meant in your life and, you know, flawed characters or otherwise. These, they created memories for us. It's not about being empathetic and about the life of this guy who's retiring it after 18 years, one way or the other. He's a multimillionaire and has a, a, has a different perception of the world. But the meaning is to we fans, right? I mean, that's, that's the bottom line of it. I think, but you brought up like Jeter or Antonio Brown, like Brown, AB is not going to get a farewell tour. Derek Jeter got one because he was arguably one of the most lovable athletes over the course of his career. I mean, he was the face of the biggest franchise in sports. It's a way different thing. Ben, to me, I'm not saying this is all true, but I feel like some people think he, not a a complete passenger, clearly not, but like people think Steeler, they think defense. They're like, okay, like, and then obviously his rookie, the Super Bowl early on his career, like it wasn't uh, a strong one. And a lot of quarterbacks now have multiple Super Bowls. So he doesn't really distinguish himself between that. And he's just not a lovable guy. He was, he's he's not like forced onto our television vision screens you don't hear him on podcasts and radio shows you don't see him in advertisements he's not just a guy that everyone wants to like he's this jolly guy like people mock him for the stuff early in the career oh he's kind of a creep and then he's like then the next kind of group of things that make fun of him were like for his injuries always wearing like the boot and always having you know ice wrapped around his body and he was this guy that was just known for being like a strong durable quarterback but never really in the upper echelon elite class despite what some people may think but he never was really accepted into that so it's a strange career for a well, guy that's that, kind of my he, point with that nfl though right i mean if you give him and you know obviously can't uh, change the outcome but if Richard Mendenhall doesn't fumble in the fourth quarter and the Steelers take the lead and they hold on, our perception of Rodgers versus Roethlisberger swings wildly. And imagine the pressure on Rodgers right now. Imagine if that were the actual narrative. Is like, this guy is so good. Is he better than Marino? And he's never won the big one. The heat on Rodgers and the Packers going into these playoffs would be a hundredfold from what it is. There's a ton of pressure on them because of Rodgers talking about um, wanting to get traded and this seems like his last ride, but now you hear a different noise. I wonder where it would be. wonder what the conversation would have been this past 11 years if, you know, I mean, he would be up there with like the Cleveland Browns or the Chicago Cubs before they got over the hump or otherwise of like, man, this guy, forget Marino. This is the, this is the most star cross career we've ever seen in pro football. It, it, it would be fascinating. I hear you though on the Roethlisberger stuff, but it's like I said last week um, on this show, and uh, you put together the video of uh, of my little uh, speech about Roethlisberger. You know, they're, they're more sort of gentrified, corporate-approved guys that we could dig in on their personal choices and everything else throughout their lives. Um, but for whatever reason, they present as a little more pristine, easier to embrace by corporate America and beyond. Um, But, you know, uh, this for all the talk about blue collar and that's what Roethlisberger is and the Steelers and everything else, he did suit Pittsburgh and the vibe and the Rust Belt and everything else in a way that, uh, you know, I don't think Drew Brees or Peyton Manning could have come to Pittsburgh and performed at that level. There was something about his particular skill set that just so happened to suit that team for the majority, at least, of the last uh, two decades. Anywho, before we get to Cesar, we'll get more into that spaghetti in just a bit. I want to let everybody know, referring a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook 
Could be your ticket to Super Bowl 56. Who will be there? I don't know. I think the Chargers still have a chance of getting there. Either way, that's right. When you refer a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll be entered for a chance to win an all-expense-paid trip to Super Bowl 56 for two. Don't miss FanDuel's biggest refer-a-friend offer ever. All you have to do is share your exclusive referral link right from the Sportsbook app. Once your friend places any bet of $10 or more, you'll both get $50. And you'll be entered into the Super Bowl sweepstakes. If you or a friend has been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to do it. We love FanDuel. We go on and on about it all the time because of the fast payouts and the easy-to-use app, the the marvelous um, same-game parlays. We love to get in there. This is the time, and it's time to do it with your pals here at Minus 3. We already covered Hench has been on fire. Damashek has been borderline on fire spaghetti has his moments too um make sure you're betting with us fanduel.com slash minus three the word minus the number three and make sure all through as we move into these playoffs nba season and nhl and all the rest of it make sure you use that promo code minus three and get in on this great offer all right spaghetti let's get the Sessler, but real quick a break All right, here we go. What a treat to have him back on the show. One of our very favorites. I hate to open up a can of worms here. I don't know why Mark Sessler didn't get Eddie Spaghetti's vote for the Shecky Award for our favorite football, non-football playing guest, but maybe Spaghetti can address that if we have time for it. In the meantime, it is the quiet storm himself, of course, from around the NFL, the podcast, the TV show, all the rest of it. Mark Sessler, what's the poop, fella? Well, I mean, I think maybe should I just stage like a verbal, some sort of, you know, holdout or standout or whatever it's called until we hear why Spaghetti didn't vote for me. I mean, I can't imagine who he voted for. It's sort of um, ponderous. It is but, interesting. What 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 is the explanation for that? Well, I say to why I did not choose Marcus, I didn't want to cause any controversy among the ATN group because Greg was on, Dan was also on. So I just thought it was fair to give it to somebody who had the most appearances uh, for a non-football playing guest, and that was Nick Costos. So that's why Nick got it. But there's plenty of other worthy guests, but I just didn't want to create any trouble among the NFL media group. I, I think right, well, that's, that's good producer work, isn't it? I mean, because it would have caused a problem. It, everything seems to cause some sort of an issue now. No, normally me being annoyed, so uh, good move. Well, just just for the record, then we'll move on. Mina Kimes isn't a part of Around the NFL. Will Brinson's not a part of Around the NFL. I mean, that are you extending the same sort of standard there? I'm, I'm getting confused now. Well, Mina had you know one appearance only. Uh, Will Brinson, I believe, only won this calendar year. So again, like Nick has, uh, you know, triple the amount of appearances they had, and uh, him being a uh, a really messed up Giants fan like myself uh, makes you feel it's close to home. So it's it's maybe a little bit of bias in there. I I see, but except he attacked you as being a dumb Giants fan because you won't fully turn against them. <laughs> I have, I have now. Okay, okay. Let's talk about another pro football team, specifically the Cleveland Browns. You saw on Monday Night Football a tale of two football cities, really. There, and I and I feel like this doesn't apply just to Cleveland, but to probably all other thirty-one um, football towns, at least for one night. I, I see the reality. This Pittsburgh Steelers team save a uh, Trevor Lawrence victory against the Colts is not going to the playoffs. But I, I think for one little window, you had to say that that's a cool football town saying goodbye to an icon flawed or otherwise, uh, though he may be. 
How say you? Oh, I do, because I'll remove my Browns fandom part of it. I thought it just kind of lined up perfectly for the final swan song for Big Ben. I mean, the fact that they even, that interception happened, and he had a chance just to walk out there. I mean, Mike Tomlin said that the atmosphere, and this is someone that knows, he's never really seen it like that outside of maybe AFC title games. So I I, I think this is number one. I'll, I'll cycle back to when in 1995 I was a college student, and with a bunch of friends, we took a train from where I was going to school in American University from D.C. up to Pittsburgh. Um, a lot of weird stuff happened on that train. We'll get into that another time. But um, we went to the last Browns-Steelers Monday night game because, you know, people were – the Browns were getting moved to Baltimore. And what I think other fan bases would have would have just added more agony to Cleveland. But when we were in those stands – and in 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 the in the lead up to the game, out in the parking lot and stuff, Steelers fans were coming up to me. I was wearing a Browns gear of some sort, and basically just hugging me and saying, "This is not cool. Like we get this rivalry. It's the rivalry has never really been a rivalry since because of Big Ben. I mean, because the Browns with Butch Davis, who worked out Big Ben in a driving rain, and he was making killer throws and just looked like the dude." They decided, well, we just signed Jeff Garcia in free agency, so we don't need, we don't have room for Big Ben. We have too many other needs. It's come back to haunt them in a way that I don't know any quarterback landing spot or draft day botch job really has within one one's own division. So for it to cap the way it did, I not a year ago, that was an unceremonious um, false alarm for the Steelers that that would be the end of Big Ben. This was the real one, and it was fitting. And as a Browns fan, like, at some point, you just put up your hands and say, it's not on me to fix this. Go fix it yourselves. And if you can't, you're going to have the, the, the Steelers dunking on you in one ceremonial affair after the next. This is just the latest in the chapter. And if Big Ben is gone, I think it's gla- I'm glad in a way that it came against the Browns in Pittsburgh because you've got to be real about these things. They have been hurting the Browns and taking away Cleveland's attempts at joy for 20 years, and Big Ben has been the uh, the major author of almost all those calamities. So it's at least poetically fitting. I also thought poetic too. Two January side by side, the last one, Roethlisberger is sitting on the field at Heinz Field after getting dumped by those Browns, weeping sad tears, and a year later is weeping in the same spot, but happy tears completing uh, this uh, 18-year circle. And I think it makes it, you know, a prisoner of the moment or otherwise. And, and, and in fact, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to take that off myself. I was right for the last 10 months. The idea that they should have moved on from this guy. This is the price. This is part of the price of being an iconic franchise. You must pay homage to your legends. And in fact, you don't have to. The Steelers didn't do a great job saying goodbye to Palomalu or Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell or James Harrison or Terry Bradshaw. So I think they kind of needed to get this right. And I think they did here. And I'm curious what you think, because there's been a fair amount of cynicism from AFC North fans, but from people who, you know, rightly or otherwise, want to take shots at Ben Roethlisberger, the human being, his behavior in his 20s. And I'm not excusing it. But I, I maybe it's a rationalization or maybe it's not. The, you, you mentioned riding that train to go and see Monday Night Football with your pals. To me, 
and I don't want to be James Earl Jones about it, you know, in, in, in Field of Dreams about the, the the meaning of the sport in our lives and how it marks time. But that is what it's about. It's not the individual figure that we're talking about. It's it's the costume of the superhero that we're vibing to. Um, and it's about us, it, right? At the end of the day, the, the, the cheering, it was a celebration of Pittsburgh as a great iconic sports town, not as much ultimately really as it was about the 18 uh, year quarterback, right? Or, or, or am I getting that wrong? No, I, I see where you're coming from. And I mean, first of all, I mean, I don't know anyone more bathed in Pittsburgh sports history than yourself. So I'm not going to come in with a fiery hot take to unseat that to start. But I mean, you like to see quarterbacks. And again, let's remove like whether or not um, like John Elway was a good person behind the scenes. I mean, I, I don't know. I think most of these like quarterbacks have been raised as, you know, uh, it, extreme high privilege life. Um, you've had everything your way gotcha. for most of your life. So it's like, you're not, I don't, I, I'm not looking for them to be something um, evolved and next level in terms of understanding others' pain. And in Big Ben in his twenties, I mean, we could go on and on about that, but this is sort of separate. I think what you're sort of saying is, Last night is separate than whether or not we want to break down whether um, he's a likable figure. That's a different conversation. It capped, I thought, for someone that's been you know in, ingrained in Pittsburgh sports history for since we were like youths to some degree um, in a fitting fashion. I like seeing Peyton Manning go out w go out winning the Super Bowl, even if we all agree he wasn't like the driving engine behind that team. You don't want to see him get thumped. And then it's the end. I, even as a Browns fan, like I started to s turn and root for John Elway to win those late 90s Super Bowls. And I kind of felt like, good, go out this way because our quarterbacks are the last sort of sports mythological figures we have. Now, a lot of them, we know so much about them that there is no myth. And so it may be someone 20 years younger than me can buy into that. We don't, but from a sports moment angle, I couldn't be more with you that I kind of thought it was fitting for him to go out there and kneel that ball down and walk around the game. They, what, he didn't have a good game. No one cares. It has nothing to do with last night's micro performance inside of a larger thing. It was the right way for someone to send out an iconic player for your own franchise. Yeah, and I'm fielding texts from some of our mutual friends uh, attacking, how dare you celebrate this or that. And, you know, I, it, it is also there's a, a double standard for some reason that applies here. But, you know, are, are people allowed to redeem themselves or not? Are people I mean, this is what we love to pat ourselves on the back for as an American society, even though that seems to be falling away to some degree, too. But, um, you know, one of the things is like America loves a comeback. America loves a redemption story. Is that not the last decade of this guy's life for what that matters? But ultimately, like I say, it's about the it, it, it transcends the individual. It's about the fact that that individual who, uh, you know, great deeds delivered for us to cheer about going out and never wearing another uniform I, in the age of free agency. There are greater achievements, but it's a it, it's a nice thing that. For almost two decades, this is, I mean, there are a lot of people who are in those stands and watching on TV who that's the only quarterback they've ever known. That And, and you measure your life and people can make fun of it, living vicariously through these strangers. And I absolutely get it. I love to make fun of that stuff myself a lot of the time. But um, for better or worse, this is, this is, our lives are marked by their deeds and we remember where we were for them. It's their players in our show, not the other way around. Right. 
Yeah, I, it's like I, I again. I don't think we need to like w- like the person at this point because it's like we need to be so on board with who the person is. And I like I don't know. I don't think we know who ninety nine percent of these players really are as people. So I am more with the story side of it too. Um, I mean, I think it's just like from the flip side. The, the Browns fan person in me has to look at what this it's, it says a lot about the organization you're rooting for too, because had big Ben been drafted by 25 other teams, I'd go as strong as to say 28 or 30. He probably would have finished his career somewhere else due to a fair amount of chaos or tumult or change coaching change. I mean, he was um, like anyone else in that organization put into one of the more steady franchise models around. And I mean, Cleveland, you know, this is a tired stat. They've had, 27 quarterbacks since they decided not to draft Big Ben. So, you know, it's it is a study in contrast <clears throat> and where the Browns have had good players come and go, there's no um real hubbub about any ring of fame performer post returning to the league because it's both mostly been shameful results. And so even when you get like, hmm, and I know that I know your thing on Miles Garrett, but let's say seven years from now, Miles Garrett left the Browns and left football. And you can look back and, you know, statistically a, a, a incredible career for someone. It's like, it really doesn't matter if these teams are winning four and five games. They had one little blip on the radar where they came up and knocked off the Steelers. And a year later, they're back in inglorious territory. I mean, it's the idea that like Big Ben and Tomlin and the Steelers in general are just a very different type of organization. So I am giving it to you. I think the minute you sent out a tweet um, in the off season, I know this was deep psychological warfare, where you basically lined up the obvious reasons that Cleveland would win this division. And it started with the fact with the total straw man, like what you've had, you have a number one overall picked quarterback running the show. Why on earth would there be? It's like the minute that you sent that, I thought, well, this is not going to happen at all for Cleveland because I already in my heart know things are not going to last for more than a couple of you know, months. And it happened during the weirdest year in American history when fans couldn't even watch it in the stands. So I don't know at this point, like I, it is, there is frustrations that mingle in from my rooting standpoint, but I am giving that evening to you. It was a nice um, run for the Steelers. And I thought they showed a little bit of class um, for a town that, you know, they're not always a classy town. I'll throw that out there, but they, they found it that they found it last evening. That's all you're getting from me. I will say, you know, that that Ohio Pennsylvania border and what lies on either side of it is it, it really is Shakespearean um, with the Browns an hour or so north of Pro Football's Hall of Fame that is filled uh, with an inordinate number of people from the other side of that Ohio Pennsylvania border and how vexing that must be. But, you know, that for all the cynics out there who who. The on the banks of the three rivers, by the way, hitting me up like, dude, you ain't celebrating Tomlin. Who cares, dude? 18 years of uh, never having a losing record. So what? That's our standard now? That would know. It's about Lombardi's. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, I'm not choosing one or the other. I would rather have extra Lombardi trophies, but that is a, a pretty good measure of the stability and uh, stable success. As I always say, consistency in and of itself, as the New York Jets prove, is not necessarily a good thing. In the case of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it certainly is. We gave Ohio the rivers that, that you know, the Monongahela and Allegheny converged to form the Ohio in Pittsburgh. Somehow Ohio lays claim to it by naming it. <laughs> but Chasnall, Ben Roethlisberger, I think we win that uh, that generational trade. Let's talk about those Browns, though. It looked like after the Tim Couches and and everybody else, 
that has run through there and Johnny football. And I was next to you when Johnny football got drafted and you were moved by it. And that's a moment that I remember for you, the fan, not Johnny football. What resonates for me is Mark Sessler enjoying that moment and the, and the optimism that you were imbued with. And unironically, once again, with Baker Mayfield, and why not? Of course, after they vanquished the Steelers in Heinz field, you had to feel good a year later. It feels like he's done in Cleveland. Do you think he's back in 2022 wearing that same uniform? You know, I think it got so much more complex even over the last month because of the way this season finished, because I think the way he was managed where it's like, what if he's if they shut him down for week 18? Well, why did he play this week? And, and why did they thought they thought it would be a good idea to have him play against Green Bay when he hadn't practiced coming off of COVID and all this other stuff? He's been injured the whole year. So it's like, I get why it'd be tough to say, do we have a real assessment on what a healthy Baker Mayfield would have done in a year or two of Kevin Stefanski's offense yet? Uh, I don't know if you can say it's all because of the torn labor and the non throwing shoulder. I think that screwed up his footwork. I mean, that smarter guys, the people that like study the quarterbacks are pointing out that, you know, his footwork is a little bit out of sync. Like he's not seen the field. He's not able to kind of use his legs the way he had blah, blah, blah. That said, I think it's a long stretch at this point that he's back. I, I just do because something went a little evil here. And I mean, when I hear him saying after the loss, um, I'm going to talk to my family and my agent about whether or not I should get surgery right now. It's like, it, it's to me, that's reading, like reading into that a little bit is I am not wedded entirely one-on-one, -on -one, like cohesive with the coaching staff, like I seemed to be a year ago. And I kind of look at like, the way they used Baker last night, like he was obviously in a terrible position with a rookie right tackle taking on J.J. Watt. The protections were weird in that game. They're throwing the ball a ton on first and second down. I know they said Chubb was banged up, but you still have other runners on that team that could have helped you out. I just kind of felt like they're putting, they put Baker out into the fire um, to almost create a narrative where like the viewer can say, yeah, we don't think this is a guy that you extend or necessarily even bring back at all. And I think that it's kind of turned a little ugly where, you know, the like Baker Mayfield never really crowed or had any issues about the extension before this season. I think he was willing to go in and play it out. Um, but now it's like, I wonder if Baker Mayfield would want to be back too. It just feels like you're heading towards a breakup where I think three or four weeks ago, I might've said, I'm compelled to not say that definitively. It just feels that way now. I mean, and, but I think the problem is because you still have them on the fifth year is like, okay, like what organization knows better that if you move off, what is a, let's a seal the ceiling for Baker would be like B plus games. If he really were healthy, like B plus games, who do you get instead? Like, like it's not New York. It's not Miami quarterbacks. Don't want to go there. Um, I, it's like you have to figure out you have to figure out like another another name. And I know you've got Case Keenum as your uh, your title here, but I don't think it can be a Case Keenum level answer. I mean, there, no, it, right. you don't go back to like a Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. So I think they're in a very confusing, um, thorny place. And it's in it's in sharp contrast to where they were and what the feelings were a year ago around the coaching, the front office and the roster. I, I think you're right. One. Um, Bake's comments don't do him any uh, favors when he talks about a couple few weeks ago. He insinuates that there's discord, that the organization didn't support him enough around Odell and the harness and everything else. And also, 
I feel bad for Bake because, as you know, I am among society's most celebrated empaths. I feel bad for him because he was in a catch-22. He had the play for his own sake. He has to go out there and uh, because Case Keenum might take him to the playoffs. And then where does that leave him? But now he's out there with a belt wrapped around his head and his shoulder and everything else. So he's not going to play well and no one's going to um, give him, you know, no one's grading him on a curve with that. So it kind of hung him out to dry. And I agree, Stefanski kind of ha- hung him out to dry. But now he's less attractive because I do think it's not completely out of bounds to suggest, you know, could they call the the, the Seahawks and say, listen, we got a first round pick, and we'll also give you Baker Mayfield. He's a talented guy. He right, just needs right. a he just needs a, a fresh start. And now we'll take Russ off your hands. Now it's kind of like you're trying to put the throw Baker on us. It almost has that feeling to it. What are they going to do with those commercials? But for real, <laughs> I, I I I can't remember. Has any big time athlete ever had the amount of endorsement deals that Baker Mayfield has? on the cusp of being a backup somewhere. I kind of feel like, I think you do have to, given you and I have talked about this, I think we agree. Bake is great or was great for Cleveland because of the chip on his shoulder where he let it, where he was let down a little bit was in football, but in attitude and everything. I loved it. I love the swagger. I love him running into guys. I love him doing demonstrative first down signals and all that stuff. That's what that town needs but maybe it's starting to feel like or does uh, it, it, he's a little fraudulent as a leading man. He's he's a passenger. He's an intermediate level pro quarterback. The guy who has swagger and all that kind of attitude and the FU kind of way about him is Joe Burrow. He's just a little bit better at actual football. True. I, it's absolutely true. I mean, at least let's watch what's sort of blooming before our eyes. I mean, talk about, again, a contrast to a year ago to now. If you're a Browns fan or even a Steelers fan, you thought, look, we're always going to have the Ravens to deal with. Even when they have their ups and downs, they're still going to be in the mix. Cleveland felt like, hey, we're rising up to finally, after you know a two-decades-long nap, challenge Pittsburgh and Baltimore to some degree. And, this, and the Bengals will continue just to handle, like because they're the Bengals. But now it's like, wait a minute. The best quarterback in the division is probably in, is in Cincinnati, I think. And like suddenly, like their offense, they, they, a year ago, they were an afterthought. And I remember after Cleveland beat Pittsburgh, it's like, wow, what a great test for Cleveland, the next great AFC team to go up against the Chiefs, the current superpower, and just see it was like it was icing on the cake. You know, it was like, we don't need to win this game. Let's just see how they measure up and go into the offseason with high optimism. But you were never thinking that there was this, um, and I hate using this term because it's the worst movie on the planet, but like a phantom menace inside your own division suddenly turning into something that looks a lot more like the Kansas City Chiefs than the Browns, Steelers, or Ravens do right now. And it's like, wait a minute, this suddenly is like a continent rising in power that we're going to be dealing with for the next 15, 16, 17 years. So, I mean, the hits keep coming on the negative front. And like (laughs) Cleveland has... I immediately... (laughs) I was watching that. I told people a month ago, the Bengals are going to win this division. Look out. There's something about Burrow, his swagger that I don't know why it does seem to spread across that team. They do have a certain confidence. And I told a lot of people, watch that game uh, against the Chiefs is going to be their coming out party. And I've been saying that for a month. And so it was. 
And I, but really, as it as it was unfolding, I I sincerely thought of Mark Sessler, and I thought, <laughs> this poor guy rooting for those Browns. He goes from eighteen years of Roethlisberger. Now he catches Burrow. Burrow is the class among the QBs in the division. If if you take them out of the equation, though, the Bengals, whose QB situation would you most want to have of the other three in the division right now? Well, I mean, I I guess the problem is I I don't love the idea of emptiness as a QB solution. And that's what Pittsburgh has after this season. So, I mean, I don't like that just because there isn't an obvious fill in the blank right now. Although I could see Aaron Rodgers going there, I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't see that at all. I don't I, know I why just, that, one keep, that one persists. It just that doesn't sound... Well, I, you I, think Shailene Woodley's going to be like, yeah, let's leave, let's leave, uh, <laughs> you know, northern Wisconsin, Pittsburgh. That, that'll that be a good fit. That'll be an upgrade for us. You it think she's looking right. for... She's looking for her. She wants a nice um, temperate mountain climate or a, like a like a, okay. some sort of, you know, acting showcase land. I hear what you're saying. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say Pittsburgh's just because what would I be saying? I guess, I guess Baltimore, just because you know, the idea is that Lamar Jackson has played at an MVP level and comes back and he's healthy and they figure some of their stuff out. Um, but they all are such deep, far away, preferable options to Burrow right now. To me, I just think organizationally, they, the Bengals feel like they've hopscotched a lot of nonsense and suddenly are right up there at the upper echelon. But it does, but the, the, to push back, I wouldn't like having that choice, which is now in front of the Ravens, which is we got to pay this guy 40 something million dollars. And as good as he's been electric, as he's been personally, it's been diminishing returns for the team. So I, I, I wouldn't love that spot. And I hear you on the abyss, but I have the confidence of 2004, like, boy, the Steelers really need to figure out a quarterback for the next decade or two, and they got it right. That's the trick. And the Bengals are in the sweet spot, as we always talk about. This is just year two for Joe Burrow. Yeah, They have, they have, hit, they have the real deal at the most important position um, on a rookie contract for the next three years now. So, that, so that's the, what you want. I wonder if you wind up with like Kenny Pickett or somebody like that, but I do feel like informed by this uh, by the football gods lucying Cleveland Browns fans once again I feel like they're incented to not attempt to sell like hey we got Matt Corral or we got Kenny Pickett or otherwise like this now we got it right I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski are gonna want to make a point to the likes of Mark Sessler and say like all right, Aaron Rodgers. Now, are you happy now? There's not like Russell Wilson. It's got, I mean, Derek Carr, somebody like that. It's got to be, uh, you can't, I don't think a reboot makes sense if you're the Browns. I don't know. Maybe you can soberly talk to the Browns fans and you guys stick with that team. I mean, you know, how many, no matter how many times Lucy gets you, you keep on swinging that, uh, that toe at the football. Um, it's uh, I, I'm not as I'm not as spooked by it as it seems like. Forget Browns. There's a lot of Steelers fans like, well, Dave, what are we gonna do? We don't got no QB now. Like, yeah, they'll draft one. Now. That's a, <laughs> then problem, Dave. We don't got no succession plan. Terrible job by Tomlin and Colbert. Like, yeah, here's their succession plan. They'll turn in a card with a with a, a student athlete's name on it, and hopefully he'll succeed. Some, I mean, doesn't have to be Ben Roethlisberger, but 
maybe he'll be uh, he'll be better than average and problem solved there. Last thing before you go, because now we're both objective football fans with both of our teams. Yeah, barring Trevor Lawrence, it could happen. Trevor Lawrence, come it on, man, I happen. believe in you. You're a pretty pretty man. Um, who is? Let's open it up. Who all of a sudden? I, I find the NFL playoffs way more compelling than I did a week ago with Antonio Brown now out of the mix. Tampa still I mean, hard to bet against. Who would you? You have to bet. You have to bet a limb. You have to bet a finger. Okay. Or even a toe, big toe though. That mm. the Chiefs or the Bucks or both won't go to the Super Bowl. Which one are you talking taking? I feel that we're going to get <clears throat> um, sort of a recycling Super Bowl. Uh, the first ever Super Bowl was Packers Chiefs. It happened in Los Angeles. I think we're going to get that again. I'm just starting to feel energy around that. Um, for a while, I was feeling Patriots Bucks just because it seemed like everyone was talking about that. It's like, I could see that too. And it's kind of like the antidote to last year's Super Bowl where maybe Belichick puts it on Brady. But um, right now, I think the Bucks after being the most consistent champion we've had in so long, where like the next year seemed to carry over perfectly. You get to Thanksgiving. It's like, they're just going to roll to 14 or 15 wins and they don't have a lot of drama. Their coach is an alpha male. There's not a lot of nonsense going on there. And then suddenly like the injuries occurred and suddenly Antonio Brown is dancing around the end zone um, at MetLife and up the tunnel. And there he goes. And it's like, this team has issues. And I know they won that game, but it's like, they aren't, they, it kind of reminds me of last year with Kansas City. When you take out parts of that offensive line, they became very normal and very homogenized and they didn't look special. And the Bucks, to me, um, might be at that point where there's just too much happening and they get picked off by another team that, first of all, I don't like the idea of Tampa Bay going into Green Bay, down a bunch of guys. Green Bay feels invincible to me. So I, my clear answer would be, I think the Chiefs could easily roll in a weird AFC um, where I think the Bucks. It's a nice story. But you're not going to do it two times in a row, and you've suddenly hit bumpy, bumpy waters here in January slash February. Man, way more interesting now with the Chiefs having to play in the wild card round than if they had home field. It would be a wrap. We would know where, where yeah. this thing's tracking to. All of a sudden, now if they catch the Chargers, who play them as well as anybody does, and that's in the wild card round. And Bills host the Patriots for round three. Ooh la and la. I can't wait. You're the, you're the top so Sessler for joining us. Um, let's uh, let's give it sooner rather than later because I really want to try to beef up the resume in 2022 so you can get fancy pants spaghetti's vote for the yeah. I think the, I mean yeah. You just <clears throat> I need to stack episodes. That's what I'm yeah. seeing. It's volume over like quantity, a quantity over quality scenario for me. So get sign me up. I'll keep coming back even if it's for little hitters, five six minutes, just to get on Eddie's good side. He seems very you know. He has sort of a borderline thinking about how he does his voting here. So I'm aware. Well, can't wait. Can't wait to get, if nothing else, we got to get your review, review of licorice pizza. I think you're going to, I'm fascinated. In fact, I think you'll see that, you know, same period and pastoral vibe as our uh, mutually beloved uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Not that they're the same picture on any level, but playing with actual historical fact and, you know, for entertainment and everything else. I think you'll see it hits a lot of the same notes. Can't wait to hear what you think about it. Yeah. You know, I had, I've had Corona, so I, I thought it would be um, ungiving of me to go into the theater to watch it. Although I almost thought about just doing it and sitting really far away, but I've had you, I've had Dan Hansis and others say, you've got to see this thing. So it's like, all right, I get it. I'm going to be there as soon as possible, and I'll let you know what I think. All right. Uh, 
All the best to you in this uh, new year. Hopefully 2022 treats Browns fans a little bit better than 2021 did, save 2021 January. That was a the high point pretty much in the Super Bowl era for you guys, right? Yes. Um, there he goes, everybody. The great Mark Sessler. Make sure you're listening to Around the NFL and watching it and all the rest of it. There he goes, uh, Spaghetti. Do you feel bad now that you gave it to Costos? No, I mean, I love I'm very confident in my relationship with Mark and the rest of the ATN guys. But so uh, you wait, you think you can give him the hi hat because because they like you or something? I would they, call they're not going to like you anymore. I would call myself friends with Mark. So I'm not I mean, like I, I could talk to Mark about a number of things and uh, we interact uh, a bit on social media, text here and there. So, I mean, I'm, it's like, look, right. I, I feel bad for Mark almost having to come on the show and just take a beating from you because of uh, beating. You know, I thought I was I thought we were both congenial and, and complimentary of one another. Right. It, this this was civil. Yeah. But I feel like all of his his all of his uh, appearances always revolve around a Steelers Browns thing. I think Mark is a good football mind and maybe he doesn't want to keep hearing about the Browns misery, uh, which is really getting sad at this point. So, but look, <laughs> look, good appearance. Uh, 2022 is looking pretty good for Sessler. So maybe you'll give him your pity vote for the Shecky Award hey, if you feel yeah. like that's got to be. I, I didn't choose the Browns for him. I, that's, that was his uh, his deal he made with the football gods. He made his bet. He's got to sleep in it. All right, great times with uh, with the great Mark Sessler, and uh, we'll of course be back for you later in the week with Kevin Hench. Probably giving out more winners. Make sure you're tuned in for that as the playoffs draw ever closer. Until then, like I say, for Mark Sessler and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.